Welcome everyone to Strider NFL Football Reviews for week 15 of the season. I'm Ian Strider and this is the show I get to talk about my all-time absolute favorite sport. And this week had some serious ups and downs. COVID was rampant across the league and because of it we're having our first week of the season where there have been game delays. One of Saturday's games was postponed till Monday, and then two games were postponed all the way to Tuesday. The show is recording on Monday night, so I have not seen the two games that recorded that are showing on Tuesday, and unfortunately, we won't be able to cover them this week. Those two games, of course, were the um, Seattle Seahawks versus the Rams and the Washington football team versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Some playoff implications with the Rams trying to get into first place in the NFC West or at least maintain position in the playoffs and the Washington football team and Philadelphia Eagles desperately trying to get into the playoff picture as they are both on the bubble but it's looking pretty tough especially with those COVID injuries decimating the football team I think Taylor Heineke is not going to be able to play that game so it's not looking good for them I'm curious how how they'll be able to do without him I don't have a lot of uh, hope for them. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to start for the Philadelphia Eagles, so that's pretty big. And then I think the Rams have like had like eight players that were on COVID too, although some of them are back. Jalen Ramsey will be able to play the star cornerback. But we will talk about all the other games that happened, and it was a very heavy week in terms of the number of days where football was played. There was football on Thursday. There was football on Saturday. There was football on Sunday, of course, and and two games on Monday. Um, and now there's going to be football on Tuesday. So, you know, I, I kind of like it when there's just football three days a week because uh, I like doing other things as well. But that being said, it is always fun to see more football and pay attention to football. So we're going to jump on into it. I got some quick takes. I'll cover the lame ducks. I'll cover my most, the most exciting games of the week. There was like five of those, so we'll finish with a little bit of a countdown um, because I'm a diehard food fan, and I think football and food is a perfect pairing. I'm going to throw in a football food interlude where I talk about some great things I got to enjoy during the week that maybe will inspire you to try something different while you're enjoying football. And, of course, I'll touch on my um, fan favorites, the three teams that I absolutely adore and love, the Chicago Bears, because I grew up in the 80s when they had the 85 Bears and the Super Bowl Shuffle in 88, and I just loved Walter Payton and that whole team, the Denver Broncos, because I was born and raised in Colorado, and I'll always have a, a place in my heart for that team, and the team that I've been, that's been my home team for the last 20 years, the San Francisco 49ers. So without further ado, let's start with some quick takes. The Saturday game that didn't get postponed was the night game where the New England Patriots went into Indianapolis, and this was a crucial game for both teams. New England holding position at the top of the AFC conference, while Indianapolis was it's been looking probably one of the best teams that's been on the bubble for multiple weeks, so it was imperative that they get a win if they wanted to keep their playoff hopes alive, and New England was heavily favored, but surprise, surprise, Indy came out to play, and they weren't joking around. Coach Bill Belichick of the Patriots tends to, you know, be known for taking out the best player of the opposing team or shutting down what their strongest stat. And so you thought he would 
with the with the the capable defense that he has and how good they've been all season that he'd be able to slow down that knockout uh, running game led by Jonathan Taylor but it didn't work that way and the Colts defense was stout to shut down New England and their run game like I said absolutely dominated well for most of the game about three quarters of the game on both sides Indy shut out New England for the first three quarters, zero points. The defense was led by star linebacker Darius Leonard, who not only had eight solo tackles and two assists, but also got an interception and forced a fumble. He was a monster. He led that team to just be completely dominant. Um, the Patriots did get did make a little bit of a run for it near the end of the game, but at that point, it was it was it was a pretty desperate uh, comeback attempt. And like I said, the run game for the Colts was almost, I mean, (laughs) to be honest, the run game was pretty much the entire offense for the Colts. Carson Wentz did so little. He only had five completions on 12 attempts and only 57 yards, 57. That's it. He didn't, he just barely made it past the half century mark. He did throw a touchdown and then he had that really bad interception that kind of led, that kind of helped the Patriots start that comeback, but it wasn't enough. And Jonathan Taylor was just a dominant force in the run game all game pretty much. He had 170 rushing yards off 29 attempts, including his game-sealing 67-yard touchdown just before the two-minute warning that got them back up by two scores at 27-17 to and pretty much sealed the deal. Uh, rookie quarterback for the New England Patriots, Mac Jones, struggled early throwing two picks, bookending the end of the first half and the beginning of the second, which really kind of, which was, you know, I mean, they were already looking really bad this game, but that really kind of almost sealed it. He did get a chance to make it, make that comeback in the fourth quarter. um, And he looked good when he did it. You know, Mac Jones is a legit quarterback as a rookie. He's one of, he's definitely the best rookie this year, at least, you know, being ready right away. And New England's not going anywhere, but this was one game that they were not able to pull it off. Indy got the huge win. Now Indy's in a really good position for the playoffs, and New England falls out of first place in the AFC. Kansas City, who I'll get to later, is now in the top spot. And with New England getting the loss, the Buffalo Bills now have a new opening to get back into the spot of the top of the AFC East. They are going to play each other, I think, on the 26th, so that's this coming weekend. Um, but of course, first they had to beat the Carolina Panthers, which they did without any problem. They dominated them. Carolina only got 14 points. Buffalo threw down a 31 burger. And I mean, there were some of the same old stories in this game. First, Cam Newton continues to crap out for Carolina, which he's done since they picked him up. He's not the same amazing Superman Cam that, you know, we all came to know and possibly love throughout his heyday. Um, he always did kind of throw the ball into the dirt, or at least ex- every most years, except for maybe the one year where he had that MVP season, and he still is having a lot of bad throws. He can run the ball, and he did run the ball a lot. If you're a fantasy football owner, he's still probably doing something for you because of all his running. He had the one rushing touchdown and 71 rushing yards, but he only threw for 156 passing yards, and he had the, a, a really important interception. And and one one passing touchdown. So not a great day for Cam Newton. Again, Carolina's just a bit of a mess right now. I, there's no chance I think for them to make the playoffs at this point. There's too many teams with a better record than they than they have. But but they're going to have to do a lot of thinking as to what they want to do going into next year. Um, 
does Sam Darnold, their injured quarterback, does he is he the answer for them? He looked great at the beginning of the season, not so much, but, but uh, for the middle half before he got injured. Um, so maybe they're going to have to try to look to pick up another quarterback in the draft or maybe in a trade. But for Buffalo, they continue to beat bad teams handily, which they've done all season. They still have not shown to be able to beat good teams with winning records. And that's going to be the test as we get to the end of the season. Like I said, that New England game is going to be the big one right now. There's still one game behind New England. But if they get that win, I think they jump back into first place in the AFC East. And so we got a lot of shakeups that could potentially happen going forward. Um, And one thing, at least they finally got a running game going, which they haven't been very good at doing, except for using their quarterback, Josh Allen. And Devin Singletary had a very solid day. I think it was something like 88 yards or so when it touched down. Um, so I think they found their their number one running back that they're going to stick with for the rest of the year as long as he can con- keep performing. So things are looking up for Buffalo. And we'll see how that big matchup goes next week. I'm really excited about it. Should be some great football, hopefully. Moving over to another big AFC game. And this one had... Uh, major implications for me because I'm a diehard Denver Bronco fan as I already said it is my fan favorite game they hosted the Cincinnati Bengals both teams had a seven or a six a seven six record I think it was they both had a seven six record and you know if Cincinnati could win they maybe have a chance to get into the lead in their division Denver holding a playoff spot at the moment before this game could they maintain unfortunately they couldn't Cincinnati pulled off the win 15 to 10 in a truly defensive battle. Um, Denver's D was strong, like almost all game, except for that crucial play in the third quarter where um, Burroughs hit his, his receiver, Tyler Boyd, for that enormous touchdown. I don't know, it was like 40, 50 something yards. Other than that, though, the Denver defense was very solid and they gave their offense plenty of chances. But Teddy Bridgewater, Denver's quarterback, who was playing decently all season, went for a first down, tried to run the ball. He got kind of knocked in the air and just kind of smacked head first right into the ground and went absolutely limp, which was scary for all the fans, regardless of if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, a Denver Bronco fan, or just a football fan. You don't like seeing a guy who's had some crazy injuries throughout his career, including that devastating knee injury that almost had him retiring a few years back. And then here we are watching him get put on a stretcher, not moving. He was kept overnight at, the, at, a, at a Denver hospital for a concussion. He was released on Monday, so sounds like the guy's going to be okay. When he'll be able to play football again is anyone's guess. And with him gone, backup quarterback Drew Locke, who the Denver Broncos at one time thought was going to be the next you know, heir apparent for their quarterback situation. And he really kind of fizzled out w- with his couple of years of trying to prove himself. Um, he had a chance. He did get a touchdown on that drive where Teddy Bridgewater got injured, but then he just bungled it up the whole way. They got into the red zone on another drive, and then he went for like a run pass option, tried to run the ball, and immediately got the ball knocked out of his hands by a defender. And then he had just pure ineptness on the final drives of the game, was not able to do anything. Broncos came up short. Now they're sitting at 7-7. They're out of the playoff picture for the time being. And Cincinnati, because of Baltimore losing, which I'll get to later, 
um, is now winning their division. So they're sitting up in in a very good spot, and they're going to go up against the Baltimore Ravens later, I think. Um, Both teams have a pretty intense schedule, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens for both teams. The Baltimore Ravens, I mean, the Bengals are playing the Ravens next weekend on Sunday. Then they're hosting the Chiefs. And then they finish the season with another big divisional battle against the Browns. Whereas the Denver Broncos, they might need a win out, go three for three. And they're going to have to do it without Teddy Bridgewater next week against uh, using Drew Locke when they go into Las Vegas to host, uh, to play the division rival Las Vegas Raiders. Then they've got two more division games to finish it out. So three division games in a row. First the Raiders, then they go into the Chargers, and then they get to host the Chiefs to finish the season. It's not looking good for my Denver Broncos to make the playoffs. I was really excited coming into this week, and now I'm feeling very deflated for those guys. Um, But if they do, if they do pull off three wins in a row, that would be epic. And if it happens, it's going to happen probably because of that really strong defense and their very, very solid uh, two-person tandem running game with Javante Williams, the rookie, who's just an absolute bruiser. He had some more great uh, block-breaking runs this this week. And Melvin Gordon, you know, who used to play for the Chargers, who's also been very good for them. So that, that, that offense is kind of fun to watch with those two running backs. That defense is fun to watch as well. Um, hopefully they can get at least a couple wins and maybe even play upset. Um, maybe, you know, knock the Chiefs at the end of the season, knock the Chargers. It'll be fun to see. As for my other fan favorite teams, at least one of them got a win when the San Francisco 49ers absolutely dominated the Atlanta Falcons. It was pretty sweet. Jimmy Garoppolo looked awesome. He was incredibly efficient all day. He had um, 18 completions off 23 attempts so for a 78% completion percentage for 235 yards and a touchdown. So he was solid all day, didn't throw any picks. And his uh, his two all-star players, Debo Samuel and um, George Kittle, were rock solid all day. Uh, I remember Debo getting another very big run for a touchdown. They've been using him as a running back for like half the time that they use him, but he did have some good uh, receiving yards as well. One of his better receiving days, actually. He had 60 yards on four attempts, and George Kittle, you know, continues to be dominant. Just just didn't quite get 100 yards this, uh, th- this week, but 93 yards for six completions. Really, really solid. They were good. They were just good top to bottom. Their defense was stellar as, as they've been throughout the whole back end of the season and actually for quite a bit of the season Nick Bosa was a force he had a really big sack and was kind of all over the place in the backfield um, Atlanta made a lot of risky plays which I really didn't quite get they kept going for it like inside the five yard line on fourth down and I think they missed like three to five times something like that so you know part of this story of this game was just Atlanta trying to go for these touchdowns and not just settling for field goals and whiffing every single time and then the 49ers making them pay with points it was a it was a great game if you're a San Francisco 49er fan if you're hoping for a close game you didn't get it on this one um you know Atlanta was kind of middling hoping if they could get on a big run at the end of the season maybe they'd have a chance at the playoffs that's all but gone now and they can start thinking more about next year there's been some fun storylines for them this year namely their running back slash wide receiver Corderell Patterson just having a, a great game all a great season all year but he did not have a great one this year but I'm also going to mention 
Russell Gage, who had another big day. He's had multiple big days the last few weeks. He had 91 receiving yards off eight catches and an awesome touchdown where he leapt, uh, leapt up in the air behind the defender, was able to grab the ball at its highest point, which uh, Randy Moss calls you getting mossed. And they had that whole segment on on Monday's pregame before the Monday night uh, Monday night football game about who got mossed. So, you know, he made it on the segment this week. It was a great highlight. If you didn't see it, go check that one out. Russell Gage has been playing great. He's also been really great for fantasy football owners in at the beginning of the playoffs and at the end of the season the last few weeks. So Russell Gage has been a nice surprise for Atlanta. But other than that, it's more just about you know, their run game is a mess. Their defense has been atrocious all season. So how good the, you know, the 49ers offense was this week is maybe not indicative of how great they are as much as maybe a mix of that and how kind of bad Atlanta's defense is. But the Niners got a win. The Niners are in a very solid playoff spot. They could certainly um, keep moving up in this in, in position. Right now they're in the sixth seed. The Rams are right ahead of them in the five seed. And Arizona, who I'll talk about later, who had that big loss, is only two games behind or two games ahead of them. And there's three games to go. So who knows where the 49ers will end up. But I am excited. And I don't think any team would want to have to face them because they are playing pretty red hot as we get into the playoffs. Which unfortunately is the exact opposite of my other fan favorite team, the Chicago Bears, who are limping along, already out of playoff contention, and they're just trying to make the most out of the rest of the season, which is a good way for me to kick off this lame duck segment. The Bears hosted the Minnesota Vikings Monday night, and they just couldn't get out of their own way, got beaten pretty handily, even though they had a chance for most of the game to at least get back into it and make it interesting because their defense was really strong. But Minnesota was able to pull off a win 17-9, largely because the Chicago Bears offense just kept making mistake after mistake, and then their defense would make a penalty. They think they had a muff special te- special teams, a punt, a muff punt on special teams. It was like every time something possibly could have gone right, two things went wrong. Whole game. Just a mess. Justin Fields, I mean, hey, at least he avoided not throwing an interception. I mean, he's a rookie. He's getting better. But he but he, he had multiple times where he just took a, a really unnecessary sack or just couldn't get the ball to the receiver. Or when he did get the ball to the receiver, the receiver dropped it. Ah, it was just a mess. He did have the one forced fumble. And running back David Montgomery also had a forced fumble that was a mate that highly impacted a chance for them to get a score at one point in the game. It was just pretty ugly through and through for that Chicago Bears de- uh, Chicago Bears team. And unfortunately, just like all season, the Chicago Bears defense has been able to keep them in games, has been strong for a large chunk of the games until they're eventually just gassed because their offense can't stay on the field. And that's pretty much what happened this game. They were dominant against Kirk Cousins. They held him to 87 passing yards. Um, he got two touchdowns, threw an interception. They held Dalvin Cook to under 100 r- rushing yards. But they were given a short field to the, to the Vikings. And, you know, eventually, eventually, it just, it just it was just too much to overcome. There was that final-ditch effort, Hail Mary, at the very end of the game that actually was complete and got a touchdown. So it made the game closer than it should have been. 
It, it was 17 to 3 before that, so they were really getting blown out up until that point. But yeah, sorry, Chicago. Once again, you're lame ducks. And Matt Nagy, the coach, it's probably not likely he's going to be the head coach next year. I'd kind of be surprised if he is. And I, I don't know if I'm sad about it. I mean, he's got a, a great offensive mind, but I don't know if he's been a great coach. He's emotional. He's, I'm sure he's a really good guy, but this might be the time for a regime change and even getting rid of their general manager pace. Um, so a lot to look forward, a lot to look towards in the offseason as to what this team is going to do, how they're going to progress, and who's going to be the head coach to help Justin Fields become as great as he possibly could be because he's certainly athletic. He's got a lot of skill potential. I sure hope he can be the quarterback for them for the next decade or so, but we'll see. The next lame duck was by far the biggest upset of the week. Uh, Arizona going into Detroit. Clearly, they thought this was going to be a walk in the park, and they got punched in the face, got completely manhandled, lost the game 30-12. to They went scoreless in the first half, only put up six points in the third quarter and another six in the fourth quarter. It was just ugly pretty much through and through. Props to Detroit for having a solid game and looking as good as they did. Uh, Jared Goff was pretty exceptional. He only had five incompletions, 21 completions, 216 yards, three touchdowns, 139 QBR. Just stellar. And throughout his career, he's pretty much owned the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, that was all when he was with the charger not the chargers with the rams but he had another big game against them and you know they were working with all sorts of backups they didn't have their number one running back they don't really have any star wide receivers the the names that that did well today were like craig reynolds this guy was on the practice squad this running back and he had 112 yards in this game amon raw st brown the rookie had 90 receiving yards and a touchdown josh reynolds uh another no-name wide receiver had uh another touchdown in 68 yards they were just doing it they were making it work whereas the Cardinals just stunk it up. Kyler Murray did not have a very good day. He was uh, just over 50% on his completions, had had an interception along with a touchdown. Their running game was pretty inept. It was just a mess for them. I'm sure this is just a blip for the Cardinals, but now they've lost two in a row. So I'm a li- you know, if you're a Cardinals man, you got to be a little nervous. And now the Rams have a chance to try to come back and beat them in the division. It's going to be close. They're only one game ahead. They're no longer in the top spot in the NFC. Now they're dropped down all the way to the fourth. It was a pretty pretty crucial uh, time to get this loss. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond next week and for the rest of the year to really let us know whether or not um, the momentum that carried them through the whole season is at is you know at a complete standstill or if they're going to be able to kind of pick it back up and make a, a Super Bowl run. They're going to get in the playoffs, but they might not even win their division. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Another lame duck that's pretty much been a lame duck most of the year, the New York Giants got manhandled as to be expected by the Dallas Cowboys. It was a game where the Dallas Cowboys offense wasn't really that strong, but their defense was just legit as they've been. Of course, you know, they're using the Dallas, uh, the Giants are using Mike Glennon, their backup quarterback, and they even pulled him uh, near the end and gave gave the opportunity to Jake Frome, 
who I don't know who he is. I guess he was a, a draft, a fifth round pick last year. Um, yeah, this is, I don't know. He didn't do much better. Saquon Barkley had a fumble. It's apparently, and this was shocking to me. It's apparently Saquon Barkley's first fumble for a uh, lost fumble in his entire career. That was pretty stunning to me. The guy's been around since 2018. So this is his third season and is the first time he actually lost a fumble. One nice thing for Saquon this this day, he had this one catch where it was like a bad throw kind of behind him and he caught it just like the tip of the ball with one hand. If you if you could get a chance to check out that highlight, way worth it. Super impressive to watch that play. Other than that though, that was probably the only good thing you could say about the New York Giants all game. And they just got, like I said, manhandled by by the Dallas defense. DeMarcus Lawrence was a force. He had a number of times he, he got into the backfield and wreaked some serious havoc. Trayvon Diggs got his 10th interception on the season. So that was another big one. So it, it, was, it was fun for the Dallas defense. Anyway, uh, another lame duck performance by the New York Giants. They couldn't be happier to get to the, to, the, to, to, to the end of the season, and it'll happen soon enough. So sit tight, New York. It'll be over soon. As for another lame duck, and this really is two lame duck teams, but the Houston Texans went up against the Jacksonville, and they were able to beat them for the second time this year, and they looked pretty monstrous against Jacksonville, 30-16. to 16. Of course, if, if you haven't heard, Jacksonville fired their head coach, Urban Meyer. He just couldn't cut it in the big leagues. He'll probably have to go back and continue to do very well in college football. But every, you know, nothing was good about him being a head coach this season. There was way too much drama, too many issues, too many complaints, and he's gone. And some people thought, okay, now that he's gone, maybe Jacksonville's going to come out and look really good. But I think what we learned is it wasn't just him that's the problem. There's a lot of problems on this team, and maybe the um, assistant coaches are also part of the problem, and that whole team is probably part of the problem. Trevor Lawrence needs some help in terms of getting him to become a great quarterback. He was not good to get today at all. He had just over 50% completion percentage. Um, and yeah, not much to say for that whole team. They just got they got their butts kicked. Just got their butts kicked. Whereas the Houston Texans, their third round uh, rookie quarterback, showed Trevor Lawrence up big time. He had uh, 209 yards and a touch and two touchdowns, but really the star for Houston was Brandon Cooks, the receiver. He had 102 yards and both of those touchdowns, and he was like flying all over the field. He had that one play where he just he looked like he was running twice as fast as everyone else for that 43-yard touchdown. Just really impressive. Um, unfortunately, Houston has not had very many impressive moments this season, but they are ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of. Uh, not getting as good of a draft pick. Now they, they're at 3-11, and 11 and Jacksonville is at 2-12, and 12 and now owns the number one spot for the draft next year, which would mean they would, if it, if it stays that way, they will have a, a number one draft pick two years in a row. So maybe that's something to look forward to in the future for Jacksonville fans. They're going to be able to build another key, solid rock star player if they draft well. Eh, whatever. It's Houston and Jacksonville. I don't really care. If you're if you're in the South, maybe you care. Uh, but these are two teams that have pretty much sucked for the last few years, and Houston's a mess as well. And, and who knows how that's going to all work out with um, with the Sean Watson 
and his legal issues or lawsuit issues, whatever you want to call them. But we'll find out, you know, next summer where these teams go. But they're not going anywhere now except for maybe playing upset um, in these next three weeks. As for the last lame duck of the week, and this one came on Sunday night, it, pretty surprising actually. It was Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting completely shut out against their division rival, New Orleans Saints. And the Saints have absolutely owned Tom Brady in the regular season for the two years he's been with Tampa Bay. He's lost to them all four times. Of course, when it mattered most, last year in the postseason, he got the win on their way to win the Super Bowl. So I'm sure it's not too big of a deal to him that he's lost to them during the regular season. But it does give the Saints a chance. They are still alive in the playoff run, and they might be able to pull it off, although I just don't think they've got enough healthy pieces. But Tom Brady got shut out 9-0. to It wasn't like the Saints did that much. They had three field goals on the whole game. It wouldn't have taken much for Tom Brady to, to get it going. But when they did finally get it going, there was a couple turnovers. There was that one play where Tom Brady tried to run it for the first down, didn't see the defender coming up from behind him, and he got popped. The ball got popped out of his hand. It was a big one. Yeah, that was Cam Jordan who, who forced that. And Cam Jordan hit a milestone in his career, 100 career sacks. What a career for the New Orleans Saints uh, linebacker or lineman. I'm not sure which one he is. Either way. I mean, this one was just wild. And it kind of made me think, you know, New Orleans, they've got like voodoo sorcery down there maybe. And if that's legit, you know, it seemed to have played a part in this game. The Saints defense just broke the Bucks' offense in like mystic fashion. Tom Brady's three best pass catchers were cursed with injuries. Chris Godwin got injured, and now he's apparently going to be out for the rest of the season. Their number one wide receiver, Mike Evans, went out with a hamstring issue, which I guess was nagging him most of the game. But it did kind of seem like when he made this epic catch, right after he made the epic catch, he got injured. Just like Chris Godwin made an epic catch, and then he got like his knee buckled, his head hit the ground, but it was, he held onto the ball. And then their number one running back and their third best pass catcher, Leonard Fournette, took a hit that had him helicoptering around in a circle, spread, uh, almost made him do the splits. I guess it also hurt his hamstring. So he's injured, and he's going to be out for at least a game. So now they're down three of their most pivotal offensive players. Um, so not only is this is this moment bad for one game, and it, and it puts them back a step behind Green Bay in the hunt for the number one seed in the NFC and for the bye, but it also bodes very poorly for their chances in the playoffs to get back to the Super Bowl now that they've lost Chris Godwin. And who knows how long Mike Evans' hamstring will nag him. Um, I don't know. It's a, it might just be a blip, but we'll see. The other thing I will say about this game for New Orleans, Taysom Hill had some, some really nice passes, even though some of them were drops. But he was looking like a pretty solid, you know, legit quarterback not just a guy who can run the ball and can kind of make some throws sometimes uh one last funny little random tidbit um it, many many of my listeners probably know about the, the the phrase mr irrelevant that is the guy who gets drafted absolutely last in the draft and in the 2021 draft the very last guy to get picked up was grant stewart by the T tampa bay buccaneers he's a linebacker um and <laughs> he was worse than Mr. Irrelevant late in the game when he had a, when they had a chance, they had forced a punt of the New Orleans Saints 
And then he um, like slid underneath the kicker and hit the kicker's plant leg. And if you hit the kicker's plant leg, it's a roughing the kicker penalty for 15 yards. So that allowed the New Orleans Saints to keep the ball from three minutes and 20 seconds left in the game to one minute and 20 seconds. They were able to kill another two minutes off the clock um, while up by two scores. I mean, it would have been huge for Tom Brady to get the ball back. With those three minutes, he might have had a chance to get it back. But that essentially was the final pin in the voodoo doll for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The New Orleans Saints get the win. They're still alive in the playoffs If they, uh, in the playoffs race. And Tampa Bay, just major epic lame duck moment. Okay, my stomach's kind of grumbling, so I think it's time for the football food interlude of the week. And there was a lot of fun, different, uh, well-varied meals that I got to enjoy while watching football this week. And, you know, football food doesn't have to just be nachos and chicken wings and burgers and stuff like that. So here's some a cu- couple other, you know, fun, different things you could kind of consider if you're thinking about ways to mix up your food varieties while you're watching the games. Uh, Thursday, I, I went Caribbean. I ordered from this place in San Francisco called Parada 22. Maybe not the most easily accessible food for people, but if you get a chance to get some Caribbean food, I highly recommend it. I always love getting their Cubano sandwich, but I was trying not to get too many things, and I really wanted their sampler platter, so I went with that instead. That had fried boneless chicken, slow-roasted pork that was super succulent and delicious and savory, uh, deliciously ripe sweet plantains, tostones, and if you don't know, tostones are like green unripened plantains that they smash and then deep fry so they're crispy and they're served with like this creamy um, citrusy sauce that you can dip them in and some yucca al mojo and the mojo sauce turns the otherwise plain uh, root vegetable of yucca into a delicious bright olive oily garlicky citrusy flavor that that's just fantastic so i really enjoyed that meal if any of that sounds appealing i highly recommend you find a way to get your hands on some of that um then you know we had football on saturday so i i got some football food for saturday as well and i was with my in-laws and i got a home-cooked meal lucky me oven roasted salmon filet with sauteed kale julienne potatoes that my mother-in-law makes fantastic uh, makes a fantastic version of they're pan fried and they're kind of like hash browns a little bit, but not crispy. Just really, really good. Worth worth, worth, uh, worth it every time I get a chance to try them. And that went with some forbidden rice as well. Then Sunday afternoon, I, went, I picked something up from Whole Foods, so I had an easy meal while I watched the games. And I got one of my favorite dishes, chicken and broccoli, broccoli fettuccine alfredo. I love fettuccine alfredo. It's so creamy and rich and delicious. And the fettuccine noodles just are, are perfect with it. You know, sometimes you get you get kind of like a an easy version of that with penne, but it's really the fettuccine is noticeably noticeably important with fettuccine alfredo. Um, so that was a nice, relatively light meal. If you go to Whole Foods, they've got they've got it like pre pre made in like the refrigerated section, and all you have to do is heat it up real quick, and you got a nice quick lunch. Then Sunday night, I decided to mix it up and go with some Vietnamese food near my uh, near my house, this local spot that I really love called Jasmine Garden, and I got something you can get at every Vietnamese restaurant, which is their barbecue pork and barbecue chicken on a vermicelli noodle salad. So it's like vermicelli, cold vermicelli noodles with some lettuce, cucumber pickled carrots, crumbled up peanuts, green onions, mint, basil to spice it up. And then you can pour some like um, fish sauce, vinaigrette all over it. 
Oh, it's so good. And then it also came with Imperial Rolls, which are like the Vietnamese egg roll, but way better than a regular egg roll. It was delicious. And then Monday night, I went with some junk food and salad. I had a cheesesteak from my favorite spot in San Francisco, which I've talked about many times on the show, the Cheesesteak Shop, which is a chain that's all over the country. And they're pretty authentic to traditional Philly cheesesteaks. And I got a bag salad from Safeway to to go with it um, to balance things out. So, you know, a little unhealthy, a little healthy. I made sure to do my workouts on Mondays and Thursdays lifting weights so I felt better eating some junk food and that's the football food interlude for today all right to finish off the show I've got what I consider to be the five most exciting games of the week and we'll do them countdown style so let's kick it off starting with the number five most exciting game of the week and that one's coming from the Miami Dolphins which is kind of surprising that it was an exciting game because they were going up against the putrid New York Jets, but the Jets made it made it competitive. They made it exciting. They kept things interesting. It started out with the Jets getting all the points of the first quarter. First, they stifled the Miami. Then they got a score. Then they got a turnover and got another field goal. So it was 10-0 going into the second quarter. Then Miami was able to kind of get things a little bit back. They got a touchdown. Um, and a field goal in the second quarter, even though the Jets also scored. So going into the second half, it was close. Then Miami was able to tie it up, get in the lead. And then into the fourth quarter, it went back and forth again. Then the New York Jets had a pick six, which was an awesome play against Tua Takavailoa to tie it up again, only for the game to finish with Miami to have a really strong drive at the end uh, to win it. It was a good game. It was solid back and forth throughout the whole game you know you know if you want to just watch some good football or some exciting football that's what you got from this game and you know there was a a sighting of duke johnson who used to play for the houston texans and he had a really solid game he had two rushing touchdowns and 107 yards tua did did okay he was uneven he had those two interceptions rookie zach wilson for the jets didn't make any big mistakes although he didn't really you know pass the ball too much he only had 170 yards But it was just a fun, exciting game. Um, And now Miami has won six games in a row, albeit they really only played one team that has a winning record of those six games, and that was the Ravens. Might have been a bit of a trap game for the Ravens, but Miami looks strong. They are now at 7-7, I think, and they're going into the final stretch of the season with a chance to get into the playoffs, believe it or not. I don't know if they're going to pull that off. They've still got a pretty uh, tough schedule in front of them, but for the time being, they are looking good. But yeah, when I talk about a tough schedule, I mean, they're going to go up against the Saints. They could win that one. It's a Monday. It's next Monday night, and it actually matters for the playoffs for both teams. Then they're, host, then they're going into the Titans, so that should be pretty tough. And then they finish the season off hosting the Patriots. I'll be kind of shocked if the Dolphins can win out, but if they do... You know, that defense has been very rock solid for these last six games, and they could make it tough on any team. So that that was number five, number five most exciting game of the week. As for the number four most exciting game of the week, that one is going to the Pittsburgh Steelers edging out the Tennessee Titans 19-13, to and Pittsburgh had a wild second-half comeback, largely in part to the Tennessee Titans, four turnovers. I mean, there was a moment, I think it was like, what was it, like 10 plays where there were three turnovers, something ridiculous. 
but the Titans just couldn't get out of their own way. They looked pretty solid early on. The run game has been surprisingly good without Derrick Henry, but um, all those turnovers were just too much. Pittsburgh would get field goal after field goal after field goal to edge it out. Then on the final drive, Tennessee was really moving the ball, making things interesting. It came down to a fourth down play. They threw the ball and it got stopped right at the first down marker. I mean, you know, this this moment epitomized the phrase game of inches in the NFL. When they measured it, it was like literally was like a half an inch. Although I think the um, where they placed the ball was actually pretty fair to the Titans and not a, not actually as accurate as it could have been if it had been reviewed. It would probably been a little farther back. But that was it. Pittsburgh was able to pull off the win. Uh, it was just, you know, it was, a, it was a wild game. A really wild game. Tennessee looked like they had that one locked up until they just pretty much shot themselves in the foot four times in a row. So Pittsburgh Steelers still have some life in the playoff hunt. Tennessee still holds first place in the division, but things can change quickly. um, And it'll be interesting to see where these two teams end up. I don't think Pittsburgh is going to win out and get themselves in the playoffs. I wonder if Tennessee is going to be able to win enough games to hold off the Colts. I mean, the Colts could win it out. Um, Probably Tennessee is going to win enough games to maintain their lead in the division. And they are going to get Derrick Henry back most likely, at least by the the playoffs and the postseason. The the guy that they really need back also is their wide receiver, A.J. Green. Their passing game is suffering. Uh, not A.J. Green, excuse me. Um, A.J. Brown? Yeah, A.J. Brown. Um, so we'll see what they can do, if they can get a little bit healthier. But for now... Tennessee's looking like a struggling team, and Pittsburgh, you know, it's an up-and-down team, as, as they've been all season. But it's Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, final hurrah, his final chance. Uh, he, he made it pretty clear that he's retiring after this season. So I, I hope he gets to finish, uh, finish strong, have some wins at the least before the season ends. Um, I doubt they'll make the playoffs or do much, though. As for the number three most exciting game, well, we had to wait as that game got postponed from Saturday till Monday, but it was worth the wait. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns had a pretty solid back-and-forth game with a great finish, and this game was postponed because Cleveland was absolutely decimated by COVID-19. Numerous star players, the head coach Kevin Stefanski, were all out. They didn't have their, their number one quarterback. They didn't even have their backup quarterback. They had to go with their third-string quarterback, Nick Mullins, who had a couple shining moments for the 49ers, I think, last year or a couple years ago. Um, but, you know, I, I thought, okay, with all the all the problems Cleveland's having, I mean, yeah, their defense is really strong, and the Raiders have really struggled recently, but I thought that the Raiders would, would be able to pull this one off pretty easily, but it turned out to be a lot closer than I had anticipated. First, the Raiders, you know, shut out Cleveland in the first half of the game, but they only got 10 points. Uh, Derek Carr did have that one touchdown pass to Brian Edwards in the in the first quarter, which was really impressive. A great catch along uh, right along the side of the end zone. Um, but then in the third quarter, Cleveland came back. They made it interesting. Nick Chubb had a rushing touchdown, and Nick Chubb actually had a really good running day in the second half of the of the of the game, he had 91 yards and a touchdown. Um, so they they got it close, but then um, it kind of went a little back and forth. 
The Raiders got a field goal. Then Nick Mullins was able to throw a touchdown, his lone touchdown of the game, although it was quite impressive where he kind of had to scramble, run back to the left, and then found a wide open receiver. And there wasn't a whole lot of time left on the clock, but the Raiders were able to drive down the field. Derek Carr looked really good on this final drive, got in the field goal range, kicked the field goal to win it with only three seconds remaining. It was a solid, close, exciting game. I mean, the Raiders, they're they are not 100% out anymore. They're at 7-7. Seven and seven. They're tied with the Broncos. They've still got to win pretty much out and they still have to hope other teams lose for them to get in to get in the playoffs but Cleveland had a chance to jump into first place in the AFC North they blew it I wasn't really surprised considering all the people are unable to play this game but it was a a lost opportunity for Cleveland and a great finish especially if you're a Raiders fan but just a really fun finish to this game. And it was a game with lots of fun defense, some, a couple big plays. It was a good one. Now, the number two most exciting game of the week was absolutely loaded with playoff implications. The Green Bay Packers went into Baltimore, both teams trying to maintain their edge in their respective conferences. And Green Bay was able to pull off a nail biter at the end, edging out Baltimore really thanks to the Baltimore coaching staff winning it 31 to 30 and this was back and forth scoring in the first half really close both teams were doing good Lamar Jackson was injured Tyler Huntley came in and for the second time as a starter this year he looked really good this guy is probably going to get a starting job somewhere based on the way he's auditioned this season he can run he can throw pretty accurately I mean he's an undrafted player I'm guessing the uh, the Ravens won't want to lose him knowing that at any point their star, Lamar, could get injured. So I don't know if he's going to go anywhere right away, but when he gets a chance, I think he might have a chance to be a starter. You never know with these backups. They have some shiny moments. You never know. But like I said, it was very close in the first half. Then the Packers jumped out to that 31-17 lead, in, um, lead and then into the fourth, the Ravens got two touchdowns to get it within one point. All they needed was the extra point to win the game. It was so thrilling. And just like um, Harbaugh did two weeks ago, instead of going for the tie to take it to overtime, he decided to go for it with a two-point conversion to just win it right there and then. There was, I think, 40 seconds left, so maybe Aaron Rodgers still could have come back. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has proven he only needs 40 seconds to get in the field goal range. But they went for it on a two-point conversion and Huntley tried to make the pass to his all-star tight end wide tight end receiver Andrews he ran to the right side he threw it it looked like it maybe could make it there the defender got a piece on it it made the ball kind of bobble in the air it still got into Andrews hands but he dropped it and the Ravens lost it was nuts but yeah Tyler Huntley played really well he had 288 total yards 44 uh, touchdowns, two of them passing in the in the first half. Then he had two running touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He had a 70% completion percentage. And his guy, tight end Mark Andrews, came through all day. He was converting third downs. He got the only two uh, receiving touchdowns. He had 136 receiving yards. Perfect connection all day. Just couldn't get it done on that two-point conversion. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers is making a case for MVP. And the way Tom Brady struggled this week, it's really going to come down to these last few weeks. I think Aaron Rodgers 
and Tom Brady might be the two ones that people are thinking about the most if you're thinking about quarterbacks. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the Colts, also might have a chance, but Aaron Rodgers, his accuracy and his command of the game was you know, top, top notch. 23 of 31 for 268 and three touchdowns. So that's like a 75, 76% completion percentage. Really stellar. But the stat that had my eyes bulging, in this game he tied Brett Favre for the most franchise passing touchdowns with 442, but he did it with almost 200 fewer interceptions than Brett Favre did. 93 interceptions to Brett Favre's 286. Of course, Brett Favre does have, like I think, the record for most interceptions in a career, but it just goes to show how good Aaron Rodgers has been for the Green Bay Packers. He has the highest pass interception um, ratio, 4.75 to 1, in NFL history among qualifying passers. It was a fantastic game, uh, a really thrilling finish. It's fun to watch Tyler Huntley. The Ravens always seem to make things interesting, and that's why that one was the number two most exciting game of the week. And to finish off the show for the number one most exciting game of the week, we've got to jump all the way back to the Thursday night game where the Kansas City Chiefs went up against the L.A. Chargers. It was a huge division divisional battle, and Kansas City was able to pull off the win 34-28 to in overtime. It was just a stellar game. There were huge plays on both sides of this game, offense, defense, all over the board. The Chargers were able to run the ball really well, largely probably because Kansas City had their star lineman, um, Chris Jones, out for the day. So they weren't able to stuff the run as much as they've been able to do. Um, Patrick Mahomes had some really big moments. He also had some whiffs. There was this one point where they had a fourth and goal on like the one yard line. And he had a wide open receiver and he somehow he just threw the ball like right into the dirt. There were kind of inexplicable moments that made you want to kind of pull your hair it was it was nuts, but it went back and forth. First, Kansas City was in the lead. Then the Chargers jumped out into the lead, um, making it 14 to 10 at the half. Kansas City got it a little closer in the third quarter. Then there was some offensive fireworks by both teams in the fourth quarter, both scoring two touchdowns. Kansas City was able to get the two-point conversion to tie it up before they both traded touchdowns, with Kansas City getting the last one in the half. Um, and then in overtime, Kansas City got the ball. They drove down the field, largely in part to Travis Kelsey, who had his best game of his entire career, going 191 yards on 10 catches and getting two touchdowns, one to tie up the game for overtime, and the other one was this epic play. I don't know how many yards it was, like 40 or something, where he was like weaving and dodging between defenders and then just put on the Jets, got in the end zone for the walk-off touchdown to win it. Just a stellar day for him. Patrick Mahomes also had a very big second half, 31 for 47, 410 yards and three touchdowns. He did throw an interception. He did have a fumble, but he was a superstar in the fourth quarter. Um, And Justin Herbert, you know, quarterback for the Chargers on the other side of the field, he also had a really solid day going for 236 yards and two touchdowns. He had that one really kind of big interception early on, but it was off of a tip ball. So I wouldn't put much blame on him. Um, yeah, it was just, just, just sweet. Great game all around. Um, there was that one Chargers failed fourth quarter attempt, um, failed fourth down attempt in the fourth quarter. But otherwise, yeah, it was good 
every which way you look at it. I could rewatch that game multiple times and be very happy, very satisfied. A great way to start off the weekend. And considering I have Patrick Mahomes on my fantasy team and I was in the playoffs and he did so well in the fourth quarter, he pretty much helped me win and get into the semifinals for my fantasy football playoffs. So another thing to be just really excited about for me personally. Um, but if, uh, you know, now the Chiefs are sitting at the top of the AFC Thanks to the Baltimore Ravens loss and the Tennessee Titans loss, they have a chance to host uh, both playoff games, get the bye week if they can win out for the season, which I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Really just, uh, here we are right back to where we were last year with the Chiefs looking like the best team in, in the AFC. And no one would have guessed that if you look halfway back through the season when they were struggling so much early on. But they found a way to get wins when when Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing well. Their defense has, has gotten more and more solid. They're going to get Chris Jones back. I think it was just COVID that he's out for, so he'll be back in a week or two. Um, and it'll be exciting to see how the rest of the season stacks up. We got three weeks left before we hit the playoffs, and things could go in any direction. There's so many... Um, there's so many teams that have very similar records, both in the AFC and in the NFC. So there's definitely going to be some shakeups before we get there. And I just can't wait to see it. And that is going to do it for week 15 of Strider NFL football reviews. I'm Ian Strider. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Also want to get a, a big thanks to my brother, Lev Strider. I said it last week. I'll say it again for producing and composing that piece of music that I played for my number one, most favorite game this week. Really great piece of music. Thanks so much, Lev. Thanks for letting me use it. And um, until next week, enjoy some food. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas enjoy football there's going to be football on christmas on saturday i'm not sure how much i'll get to enjoy it because i'll be enjoying time with my family but for the diehard football fans you've got football all weekend long it should be great there should be some really exciting games that'll be very pivotal Uh, so until next time